We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more back to 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright. What? Why? Why hello and welcome to issue 626 of Geek in the City Radio. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm uh, one of your other hosts, uh, Bean Rita. And I'm your third chuckle fuck, Cable Hashtani. (laughs) I don't know what's happening because I missed it, y'all. I don't don't know why I started laughing. I just did. Oh, I thought I missed something. Nope, you didn't miss a thing. He just started laughing and that made me laugh. And I don't, yeah. giggling. Yeah, I can't All right, so so the gang is feeling punchy tonight is Mm -hmm. what we're saying. Yeah, we are. Okay, okay. Punch it, punch it, punch it. We are, after all, uh, the award-winning I Was Podcasting Before Podcasting Was Cool podcast. That's yes. right. <laughs> that is uh, quite the honorific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we really should have the award that just says, yes, we're older than Smodcast. Because every time some like hacky news site or entertainment site brings up like the history of podcasting, like inevitably they're like, and Kevin Smith has been the longest, you know, one out there podcasting. I was like, punk, we I got him beat by like five years. And never you podcast. do it more often. Yeah, that's that's true. Well, I mean, he does a lot of different shows. Not the point. You that's having true. multiple podcasts is its own thing. But in terms of like, a, how old is your show? B, how many time, how many episodes a year do you do? Because we also win there. That's true. That was his choice uh, to have multiple other shows. Smodcast only happens once every two weeks tops. Yeah, we at yeah. least, we hit between, what, uh, 45 to 48 shows a year. That's what I, I would, go for. That's what at we a go minimum, for, yeah. 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 <clears throat> Out of a possible 52. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we're also older than Mark Merritt. Like all of them, we're just, you know, make a fraction of what any of those shows do. Well. One of us has to get famous, because that's the only way you actually make money podcasting, is you have to be famous first. Um, I, I thought that was going to be you. Yeah, sure. Why not? 
I'm only, I can only ever be fame adjacent, so it's it's not me. <laughs> yeah, and the way things are going, I'm more likely to be infamous, not famous. Infamous? Infamous? <laughs> True that. Just like El Guapo, the infamous El Guapo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, can I do a show and tell real quick? Sure. I want to give a guy a shout out. I just got this from Matt Grigsby in the mail today. This oh, you bought his, that one? Yeah, this was from his Inktober uh, from this year. Super cute. And as soon as this one came up, I'm like, dude, if you sell that, I won't buy it. <laughs> I felt... Like, I'll, I'll let you know. So bad, because I wanted his Horned King from the Black Cauldron. Uh, and right as he made them for sale, it was when all of my money went away. Oh no! So I was he, and he wrote me, and he's like, "Hey, do you still want this? It's this much." And I was like, "That's an amazing price, and I do." But uh, in the last week or so, the purse strings had to go. Yik! He's like, "No, I understand." But if the money improves, I will write him and say, "So, have you sold the Horned King?" That's fair. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Because uh, I love that Disney animated film, and no one else really does, or at least not many. Yeah, that's like a twelve percent fan base. Mm. Yeah, but the ones who like it really like it. Like yep. we really like it. And some of them worked on What If. No, oh. that's true. Because that motherfucker came out of that uh, portal for Dark Strange to siphon oh, yeah. powers off of. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, that's the Horned King. God damn it. it was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, and I know they keep talking about how, because I think Disney still owns the rights to that entire book series. And they've, like, talked about trying to bring, like, basically doing the series. That would be fantastic. I yeah, love, I might. That was one of my favorite um, series of books when I was in middle school. It was great. Yeah. And it was one of those rare ones that was, like, that was the age it was targeted for. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Chronicles of Narnia are kind of a little bit older. And real Hobbits, <laughs> Well, yeah. They're still fun. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, The Hobbit was for little kids, but then you you roll right into Lord of the Rings, which is not for kids. No. Not to say it's bad. It's just the comprehension level is so high. Mm-hmm. But the, what is it? The Paradon series? Is that what it's called? The the Chronicles the Chron- of Perdan. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think the Black Cauldron's like book two or three. I mean, they they crammed way too much into that movie. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the series was now. I'll have to look yeah. it up. So if only I had the, uh... the access to all of humanity's mm-hmm. knowledge. <laughs> if only. Yeah, I'm obsessed with that, and I would love if Disney did like a reboot of the Black Hole. Hmm. But again, that would ha- I feel like that would be like a Disney Plus series. You are correct. The Black Cauldron was the second book. The first book was the Book of Three. That's right, yeah. And the third book was the Castle of Lear, then Tyran Wanderer, and mm-hmm. ended with the High King. Yeah. So it was five books altogether. And they are very like old school English myth steeped too. Like that's oh, yeah. their, that's their jam. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. <clears throat> Disney's first PG was the Black Hole. Black Cauldron came out PG, right? I think so. Yeah. 
It's very first PG animated, right? Animated, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it wasn't the black hole PG. No, I think it's G. It's still G. Jesus, I think. Yeah, they used to rate weird, like, like when Star Trek: The Motion Picture came out, it was G, but then like in the eighties, it got re-rated to PG because the MPAA changed its standards again. I I don't know. The MPAA should be abolished. Yeah, it's pointless. Um, I feel like the time for reformation of most of these ratings groups has long passed. Much like the reformation of a lot of different things. We've gone past (laughs) reforming them and gone right to abolish them. Yeah, just destroy. That's what happens when you keep kicking the can down the road. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, I haven't heard that phrase in a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very 1930s bean. I know it's very old. Uh, uh, Kick in the city radio with old timey bean. Although we it, are coming back around to the 30s again, so that's true. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, as far as Nothing. this being the, the the second coming of the Roaring Twenties, <laughs> and we're we're pretty primed for another Great Depression, I think. So, yay! We haven't we. <sighs> We've been in one. We're just not calling it that. No. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no. Like, <clears throat> by calling the last 10 years, give or take, the Great Depression, you know, like, however long since the Great Recession, if by, if you were to call it, the, uh, you know, like the second Great Depression, that would imply that it really can't get much worse. It can always get worse. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They won't. They won't call it a depression until rich people start to lose their money. That's mm. when they're like, "Oh, we have a problem." Bottom tier rich people. <clears throat> I, and I, for one, look forward to rich people throwing themselves out of windows. Is that too much? I feel like that. Nah. Was- no. No. Although it's the gig economy, they might hire other people to be thrown out the windows. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> You know, there's a really good no, comic number story one, in there Number somewhere. one task rabbit uh, <clears throat> assignment of 2022. Yeah. Yeah, remember, what was it? Scud, the disposable, disposable assassin? Mm-hmm. Now there could be like, I don't know, Dave, the, the disposable... I don't know. I gotta workshop it some more. But there's something yeah. there. Uh, there's something there. West, Westworld. Westworld season three. <clears throat> I haven't watched Which it. Which I finally watched. Did I forget to tell you, Cable? I yeah. finally watched it. Yeah, that was that was intense. I have still watched this much Westworld. What are you doing? The bazillion other things I have to do. <laughs> I only have so many hours in the day with which to dedicate to shows. I enjoyed... It's fascinating that the the first season of Westworld, where it's taking place in a fake amusement park where nobody, like any humans can't be injured. But, you know, if you are a host or one of the robots, you get destroyed all day long. Mm -hmm. But it was still felt very bloodless for an area where there was lawlessness. You know, it was literally the Wild West. And then season two, where everything had gone wrong, was 
unnecessarily gory. Except hmm. it was necessary because that was the whole point. Is like, yeah, no, this is this is real violence. This is real horror, and we want you to be unnerved by the amount of gore that we are showing because mm, right. now it's real people. I guess. I guess by comparison, yeah, season one seems pretty tame, um, but only only because the idea is that those individuals who look like real humans are technically not but mm-hmm. it's that's the whole point right like oh well it's not mm-hmm. real violence because they're not real humans <clears throat> right these uh these violent delights is that what they're called no it's a phrase these violent delights have violent ends mm-hmm. it, you know, it is that that phrase is essentially a software virus mm. that's spoken and causes things to start going awry. Right. I keep thinking about the premise of Westworld and I don't think I would I think it'd be hard for me to like kill the robots too because I fucking apologize to my robot vacuum cleaner if it like if I like bump into it. I'm like oh sorry robot. Sorry buddy. That that plays into the storyline. Mm. Uh, I I liken the concept similar to like the purge. I think I think the the idea is that or like the not the moral of the story, but like the what they want to establish is that most people have violent tendencies that they just don't act on because it's socially unacceptable and there are consequences. But you put them in a in a box. Like like in the purge, there's like the free day or whatever. Right. And you put them in an amusement park where anything goes, and like it people feel free to unleash their their worst instincts. Yeah, and that, that is the thesis of the show is that humans are awful. Yes. And um, I, and I'm in that camp, so <laughs> I, I know yeah. it's very generalized, and there's a lot of, you know, like like Ida has has schooled me on a on a number of occasions that like humanity is not the problem; it's it's rampant capitalism. But um, yes, mm-hmm. but it's 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 hard to to untie yourself from thinking that people are just terrible to each other, to the planet. If that basically is the. I do agree with Ida on this because that's part of what capitalism teaches us is it's like, Oh yeah, we put these choices in front of them. They're going to do the horrible things. It's like, why are those the choices? Right. Why is the, why is there not the choice of you just walk away? It's like, Oh, well, because we don't make money off of that. There you go. These are not real choices. These are not real predicaments that you're putting these hypothetical people in and therefore that's why you're getting skewed data yeah you're, you're you're right you're you're creating a self-fulfilling outcome mm-hmm. yes but you're, yes. you're, right, you're, being you're that taking it you're taking away some of the choices that probably would be more appealing and better for the greater good the um, greater good thank you um mm-hmm. yeah you kind of you kind of take away the real options and so what you're left you you get what you what you leave you know mm-hmm. what 
oh, I'm only really giving you the opportunity to, to be violent. So you're probably going to be violent. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I think that you would dig Westworld, Aaron, whenever you get around to it. I'm sure I will. It's on yep. the list of things that I will one day get around to. I'm, kind of I'm, I, I'm just glad that Denise is now in the same boat that I am where we are awaiting season four. <laughs> nice. So, Well, speaking of seasons, what are we going to talk about uh, in this episode? <laughs> uh, a show that probably isn't going to have another season. Correct. I mean... No, never say never, um, but after weeks of wanting to talk about the new live-action Cowboy Bebop, it turns out that the show has already been canceled. Mm-hmm. Look at us having our finger on the pulse of culture. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think that there are probably enough people who really appreciated the show that someone else will try to pick it up. I don't know if they can. I think Netflix has full rights to it. They could sell it. You never know. If they yeah, are, if they okay. aren't going to use it, it's just letting it die on the vine. At any Which rate, it's also capitalistic. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. If we're not going to make money on it, we don't want someone else that, to. No one. Yeah. If I then can't no have you, can. no one can. Right. Right. That's just abusive. Um, mm-hmm. At any rate, we are. The plan today was to have a nice long conversation about the live action show and how we feel it compares to the original anime and we can still do that but then also comment about why we thought it got canceled and was that fair and all that kind of stuff and blah 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 blah. so you know we can still roll with that yes we can um ah god forbid i thought i turned off the stream i was like no (laughs) that's it everybody good night bye um so, I mean, yeah, we don't, I don't feel like we have to get into too many details, but well, about, you know, what Cowboy Bebop is about. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, you know. Can we start with, so I'll, I'll put this caveat at the front. I've only watched one episode of the live action. I am currently 13 episodes into a rewatch of the animated series. So, or the original. <laughs> um, nice. so I'm, all of my opinions and thoughts are going to be based on that. Um, what is, what I wanted to ask is, uh, what are your two's relationship with Cowboy Bebop? I love the original series. And in fact, since it's been a couple of years since the last time I'd watched it, uh, and I was in my garage for 11 hours on Saturday, I rewatched, I ended up watching the whole series. 11 hours is enough time to watch the entirety of Cowboy Bebop animated, you guys. Mm -hmm. FYI. So if you've got a long... (laughs) You've got a long day of something ahead of you. <clears throat> um, I don't know if there is a an original source material, aka a manga. Uh, I didn't think no. so. Um, no. It's. I don't know that it's one of like my favorites, but I've never sat down to like rank all of my anime. Um, but it has a lot of melancholy to it and it doesn't exactly have a happy ending so uh it's that's totally my jam yeah yeah i mean i'm i actually don't watch as much anime as i think people assume like sometimes someone will ask me about something i'll make a reference and i'll be like i don't know what that is 
So I've, I've run into a lot of fans that are shocked that I don't actually have like a huge anime background of, you know, viewership. I have a small handful of shows that I watched. As a rule, I tend to like to watch anime films because they have a start, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. And I'll come to some of the series and be like, no, it's too much. I'm not even going to try. Like, I'm not even going to give it a shot. Um, but Cowboy Bebop wasn't one of those because, again, it was a limited series. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, and like being said, like it kind of has a downer ending, which is very much my jam. Um, as much as I don't like Whedon, I always like his uh, give them give them what they deserve, not what they want, you know, in terms of the story. Hmm. <clears throat> um, and I do a lot of writing based on that. Um, <laughs> give them what the story deserves, not what they think they want. Um, but Cowboy Bebop also hits like all of my fun, like little genre ticks. It's like, okay, it's a noir. All right, mm-hmm. click. Uh, oh, it's weird. You know, it's in space with like jump gates and tech, but also like people still have food carts in it. Check. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, it's basically a Western. Oh, shit. Check. Oh, and it has a great soundtrack to like this funky ass jazz. Like, oh, it's like as soon as I watched that first episode, I was like, Someone has opened my brain and has learned what kind of... I mean, the only thing it was missing was a vampire to have everything Aaron would ever want <laughs> in a show, you know? Um, <clears throat> so I dug it. Uh, I also dug the movie a lot, which is hoof. Yeah, prepare your body. To, the movie takes place between episodes 22 and 23. Knocking on Heaven's Door is the yeah. name of the movie. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. It's really good. It's very, okay. very good. I might, I might find it and watch it soon. Yeah, uh, that I don't think well, is it's on Netflix. Fresh. I bet Movie Madness has it. I'm sure they do. Yeah. So anyway, like I was super pumped when they. End- so that's my, that's my knowledge of Cowboy Bebop. Like it's pretty high up there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked at Suncoast with our friend Aaron and some other folks. Cowboy Bebop was in heavy rotation on the on the TV because we never played anything corporations wanted us to play. <laughs> Good. Yeah, ever. Even though we got in trouble, but we didn't fucking care. Aaron was like, it's my store. I'll do what I want. If you don't like it, fire me. Um, so, yeah, we played a lot of Cowboy Bebop. Um, yeah, I just liked everything about it. I mean, I think part of it is like because the anime came out in 98, I think, the original show. Um, and we yep. were already we were already starting to get new Star Wars, but in a weird way, like Cowboy Bebop was scratching that itch for me way better than Star Wars was going to, huh. because it was it was scoundrels and bounty hunters, and yeah, they still fired regular guns, but they also had like you know photonic disruptors that could blow holes in ships, and oh yeah, they had ships, but also you know a beat up like fucking beetle driving around a new Tijuana. Like I was like, man, this is so cool. So it just it just hit all those things that I love so much about st- that type of storytelling. Um, so yeah, uh, that was a long way to get to the fact that I was really excited when they announced the live action one. Mm-hmm. I, th- uh, I think I think everybody was. Yeah, especially when they announced at, the at cast. Mm-hmm. I so here's my thing with Cowboy Bebop. I've seen the series once. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw it. Probably 2006, 2007. Okay. And... 
think that's about the right. Yeah. Um, that was not my first uh, Shinichiro Watanabe series. I actually saw Samurai Champloo first. Okay. And I know that one. Samurai Champloo is his second big work. And it is set in Edo, Japan, during the the time of the Tokugawa Shogunate. And all of its music is anachronistic as well. It is all hip-hop. Oh, okay. It follows two different ronin. And... Um, Uh, a girl with a troubled past. Uh, what are their names? Uh, Jin uh, Fu Mugen. is the girl. Who's yeah. the I'll look uh, this up. Mugen. M-U-G-E-N. Mugen. Mugen. And uh, Mugen and Jin come from very, very different uh, schools of fighting style. Both of them are incredibly dangerous to everyone else that isn't them. Like, they, like... <laughs> People happen in the middle of their fights, and they just they just die. And it was great. Um, it was part of the storyline. Also followed into the uh, the Christians hiding out in southern Japan, right? Which was weird because I'm like, wait, I I know exactly where these people where these stories are taking place. So I had seen that. And then someone introduced me to Cowboy Bebop. They're like, this is the great. They, they talk about it, the same thing that we did. And it has all of those elements. And, you know, having read Gibson, it's like, this should be great. I should have been in love with Cowboy Bebop. And it never connected with me. Really? I don't know why. Huh. It's, it's just, like, I appreciate it for the work that it is, but it's, it didn't leave an indelible mark the same way that Ghost in the Shell or Akira did mm. or Samurai Champloo. Yeah. Yeah, Samurai Champloo is what his follow-up to Bebop. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I could go on and on about Ghost in the Shell, too. That was one of those ones that, like, um, I would actually bring to, like, like, in college and stuff I'd have, like, I would be taking, like, literature courses and, like, postmodern writing and all that stuff. And everyone's kind of bringing in, like, clap. Like, again, they're bringing in a lot of Gibson, stuff like that. And I would show up with Ghost in the Shell. And I'm like, oh, we're watching this for my selection. You know, that was my that was my other big jam. Yeah, Because mm-hmm. sure. Ghost in the Shell is just, like, the concepts of Ghost in the Shell you still think about. Oh, yeah. All the time. For, yeah. Yeah. Um, anytime I think about cyberspace and... Uh, cybernetics and the evolution of human humanity that's part of that internal conversation yeah um bebop was cool but it didn't it didn't strike me as much and 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 i'm seeing if that changes in this rewatch so far i'm like yeah okay nope all the elements are still there and i i just i can't oh i mean I guess when I say that I love it a lot, I'm not saying that it left like an indelible mark on me. Sometimes I love something just because it's fucking cool. Mm. And I think the first it... time I watched Cowboy Bebop, I was a little bit too old to be like changed by it. Mm-hmm. Like some other anime that I saw when I was younger. But I, I same. I, I think it's 
I think it's a really good piece of work. I really appreciate yeah. it. And I've watched it a handful of times, which is not true of most anime. Yeah. So for me, it's just, it's just fun to watch. It's just, like you said, it's just fucking cool. And I dig it. Um, and that's kind of all I wanted from live action, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, I didn't need it to, like... I. As weird as it sounds, like, I didn't need it to break new ground. I kind of didn't want it to. But then you have to ask the question, like, well, if you don't want it to do anything new, then why are you doing it? Well, why do you do anything, I guess? But, you know... The, the cynic in me says, well, because they wanted money... But another part of me is like to see if they could, you know, to see if they because as a rule, animated live action adaptations don't work very well. I I saw a whole article about how Netflix keeps ruining animes by making live <laughs> actions that are total flops. See, and I'm like, I don't know that it's I don't know that it's strictly Netflix's fault. Um, I don't I don't think it is. I think that gets back into our ongoing, unfortunately ongoing conversation of toxic reactionary fandom. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole thing. I, I, I kind of want to hold on that until the yeah. end. Because uh, yeah. I want to, and I mean, like, that's just me. I really want to hear what everyone thought about the new show. To uh, whatever extent they can share. Yeah. Who wants to May, go first? I'll, I'll jump in yeah. since I've only seen uh an episode so far, which um, pretty much covers the very first episode of uh, the original. Yeah. And adds in uh, a new introduction for, and, and a little bit of a background for Faye Valentine. Because originally she doesn't get introduced until after they've already introduced Ayn. Yeah. <laughs> Um, John Cho is for me pitch perfect as Spike Spiegel. Like mm -hmm. he's he's like yeah, of course. Who else would you have cast? Um, I really like Mustafa Shakir as uh, Jet Black, and I really like Daniela uh, Pineda as um, Faye Valentine. Like the three of them make a perfect live-action on-screen versions of those original characters whose ethnicities are kind of moot by this point since everyone is from a different planet in the solar system. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, uh, like, it's more about what planet you're from and nobody wants to be from earth <laughs> even though everyone is clearly originally from earth but yeah as, as ron perlman said in alien resurrections earth what a shithole mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> in the in the original series when they pick up ed like that's jet's entire per, um, assessment it's like nothing ever good comes from earth Mm -hmm. Right. Nothing good ever comes from it. Okay. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the take um, and how it started. Uh, I liked the nod at the very beginning where the casino is Watanabe Casino. Uh, yeah. That was, cool. that was cute. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So it like if I had if I knew nothing else about Bebop, that would have been the perfect way for me to start. It's like, oh, this is great. Um, another thing I, I I haven't heard people talk about enough is Yoko Kano is a genius, is a musical genius to the level that we don't deserve. <laughs> it is one thing to yes, bring your music back for a live action version of something that you of an original animated series. It is another thing to redo the arrangements of those original music pieces so that they fit the action of the live action version. Yeah. And uh, they do it for every episode also. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. She does it for every one of them. Yeah. She works on a completely different level. Yeah. No, absolutely. Although it took me a little bit to get used to every once in a while, because especially with every episode opening, mm-hmm. the credit sequence visually is always the same, but it's a different mix of the opening almost every time. Interesting. To, okay. Yeah, to fit the tone of that, what happens right when it, right when the titles kick off, because oh. they always kick off at different times of the episodes. Mm. You know, it's either a two minute teaser, or it's, I think one of them goes like. One of them goes like 10 minutes before you actually get the da, 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 before the credits start. Oh, that's right. A, that's, those long cold opens are. Yeah. Those are that's a, that, I think that that's a, a bit more of a modern uh, mechanism. The, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the, the varying cold opens. Yeah. I saw an episode of something once and the cold open was more than halfway through what was uh, originally a 30 minute episode. It was, Damn. and it was part of the episode. Or as it, the, it, the cold open is the show, and you don't get the theme of the song of, of the show until more than halfway through the episode. Right, and it's the characters doing it, like they they wrapped it into the events of the episode. Oh, oh that's, that's cool. weird. I mean, yeah. I mean, not I mean, well, not to straight all, but I feel like last week's discovery was like a ten minute cold open. It was. It, it was. was long. I was like, I was like, did I miss the credit? Oh no, here we go. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, back to Bebop. Um, I don't know, Bean. Do you want to go next with your kind of thoughts on it? Oh, I mean, Cable, you what was that? Was kind of your yeah, no, want to step sort of it. I'm wrapped. Yeah. Um. Okay, I really enjoyed it. I I did. I know that a lot of people have like mixed feelings, and there's a lot of people who are complaining about X, Y, Z. Um. But I think that let me let me back up. It was not a a perfect remake. You know, it was not, it did not strictly, it is not infinitely better or anything. It does, it it improved on some things. It also left a couple things behind. Like, I think that the live action um, has a lot less melancholy to it. Like, there doesn't have the same amount of pathos to it as as the animated. Uh, And I think part of it is because they didn't have any bottle episodes. There's a couple episodes in the animated that don't necessarily serve the the longer running plot, or maybe they just like touch on some of the the, the arcs in the series. Uh, but the the key events of the episode don't really have much to do with anything. But it'll end up having like this like weird sad vibe by the end of it. Uh, the one that comes to mind offhand is the. The one about the the second refrigerator in the stockroom. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just yeah. about to say that was probably going to be one of the ones that you talked about. Yeah, and now I'm bl- going to blank on any other examples, but that like that one for sure is a complete bottle episode. It doesn't connect to anything else in the story through lines, uh, and it just leaves you feeling a little bit sad at the end, which is weird because it's a bad food refrigerator monster. Mm-hmm. Also, it's super wacky and bizarre, and there is a lot less wacky bizarreness in in the live action. What you get instead is um, a lot of focus on through lines for each character. There's Jet and, you know, like, what, what happened... Everybody. For everybody. It's like, oh, what happened in your past, and, like, why are you here? You know? Right. It's like everyone on the Canterbury. Oh, some everybody on this crew fucked up at some point or another, and that's why they're on this ship. Uh, so it's kind of that vibe, and so the whole focus is learning retroactively what happens with each of those characters. Um, but for Faye Valentine, for example, that actually fleshed out her character a lot more. She got a lot more time than she did in the animated. I mean, in essence, gave her even more personality. Besides, especially if you're if you think about how much like sh- how much of her character is just TNA. Yeah. So it it gained a couple elements that I think make it a more robust storytelling experience. But at the same time, like focusing on those things took away some of the other mal- elements that made Cowboy Bebop like such a cult favorite. Because it's it's not it's not quite as weird and quirky as as the original. For sure, yeah. I can definitely see that with the it lacks melancholy, um, and I think that's uh, the difference between uh, Japanese directors and American directors is they there is a sense of longing that they manage to bring to their art, whether it's film, television, or books. Um, and I include manga in when I say books, um, that I don't think Americans, we, we don't have, uh, we didn't have two bombs dropped on us. <laughs> I, I, I knew you that, were going there with this. Yeah, that then changed, and but it, it's something even before that. Like there, there is something about the Asian experience. Um, it's a reference. Uh, Wong Kar Wai's "In the Mood for Love." Uh, mm-hmm. That movie is melancholy incarnate, um, but definitely it, it it makes the perfect example it's like oh this is this is a melancholy that asian directors manage to capture because it's something that they live with all the time and i don't know why it's well, a cultural thing well part of it also could be because i was thinking about i was studying for something i don't remember what it was but um it required me to look into like older like japanese history and stuff mm-hmm. and Compared to like other major world powers, um, the Japanese people like lived under a brutal form of feudalism for a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't until like the 1800s where that started to break. 
Now you could say that like, well, yeah, maybe Europe didn't, but then it became industrialization. Like there was always something to oppress people, but there's a certain type of like, there's a certain type of like cultural ennui that comes when you realize, and unless you're born into those families, you are worthless. Mm -hmm. Like you are fodder for them to do as they please. Um, That shit lingers in your head. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that, this is going to be a huge generalization and I hope not to offend anyone by it. This is just like what I have gleaned from context from media. Asian cultures, Japanese and Chinese cultures in particular really tend to be a lot more open to pragmatic worldviews and stories in, in their pop culture. Mm -hmm. Whereas Americans don't want to be sad about anything. They don't want to be made to feel bad by their stories. Um, an example that comes to mind is um, The Descent, <laughs> which, Aaron, you taught me the original ending because it's a UK film, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. has a very... Um, a very depressing mm-hmm. ending. It, 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 like they don't make it out alive. It's Sorry, such a better ending. That yet. It, it is. Uh, it's devastating in in exactly the way that I love. It's and, the realistic ending. Yes, yes, it's and it the can ending be you should have expected the entire time mm-hmm. watching that movie. Absolutely, and and it, it's a beautiful ending. It's just mm-hmm. also sad. And instead, they just make it a I survived the end for the American mm-hmm. version that released here. And I'm like, that's fine, but I don't feel anything at the end of that. No, no, the slow um, pull away with her imagining the cake mm-hmm. at the birthday. As you hear the end, as you hear the cave dwellers just. Like getting closer and closer, and it gets darker and darker, and it pulls back, and you're like, "Oh yeah, she's gone." Mm-hmm. And and then I also like the suggestion that even she got out of the fucking cave, she's done. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no mm-hmm. fixing her. She's been broken like too many mm-hmm. times. There's no putting her back together. And I don't want to imply that the live action doesn't have sad stuff in it because it does, but. It just doesn't, like, hit home the same way. And I feel that is more of a... a, In a broad broad sense, is a better critique of... Live-action adaptations of original uh, animated movies or series is that you change the feeling and the mood of it in order to in order to better market it to a larger audience. Yeah. So when you water down Cowboy Bebop, it's going to lose some of that. It can mm-hmm. still be entertaining for sure, but it may lose that uh that melancholy heart. Yes. And and that feels like a, a fair critique than saying, oh, they just ruined it. It's like, did they? Or did they make something different? Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, uh, I think a lot of fans, this happens a lot with books, too. Mm-hmm. They're, these things are adaptations or interpretations 
of the new screenwriter and and directors and performers of a previous thing. So they're never going to be what you 100% want them to be. And audience members really need to let go of that idea that like, oh, I'm just going to see what I read and imagine my head put up on screen now. Like, well, no, you're not. You're going to see elements of it, but you're not going to see exactly what you see in your own head or however you imagined an anime. It's just... Right, especially because... And you shouldn't. When, when, Whenever a, a story is originally made by the original creator they have thoughts, feelings, experiences that that influence that 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 inform the way the story is written and the 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 thoughts and feelings that they are trying to convey. And when you put that finished piece of work into anybody else's hands, whether it's to go ahead and be consumed or to be remade in a different format, someone else's thoughts, feelings and experiences are going to inform the way it is perceived or the way it is remade. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, <clears throat> I mean, my own thoughts of the show are they're oddly complicated, but also like simple. If that makes sense. Um, like everyone involved in it is great. Uh-huh. Like the the casting is absolutely wonderful. Um, I give massive props to the writers and and to Danella. This is the first time Faye Valentine actually has agency over her own body. Mm-hmm. She's very much just a sex object in the anime. Like she, and it's like Largely, wacky. Yes. And it's, and it, and it borders on, you know, misogynistic at times. I, I, I believe I referred to her in, I was talking to a coworker about it as the original Faye Valentine is, is it's not the femme fatale because they're beautiful, but you know, they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Faye is, the um, dangerous dits <laughs> in that she acts like an idiot, but isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Daniela, uh, her Faye, the, like she had me sold in her first fight scene. Right. Because as soon as she dropped to her knees with that particular knife and was trying to cut Spike at the legs, like, oh, you, your fight choreographer went, and, and the writers and her, I assume they all went, no, this is how this woman would fight, especially with that knife. Because like she knows she would, what she's doing. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're going immediately for the femoral artery. You want this fight to be over real fast. Yeah. I, you can extrapolate being the character knows that she can't be in a stand-up fight with with just big, burly opponents. Like, she can't. Mm-hmm. One or two nope. hits, and she's done, so she has to cut it off quickly. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. And that's the thing, like, visually I liked it. Uh, some of the times the editing felt a little chunky for me. Like, and again, part of it is that you're trying to, one thing they are trying to capture is the energy of the anime, and you just can't. No. You just can't. I think that they had a couple moments where they actually did it very, like, wonderfully. There is a scene where, um, where Spike and Jet are talking over a table and discussing something. I'm going to forget what it is now because I I watched it like right when it came out uh, and very quickly. So now it's been a couple weeks. Uh, they're standing face to face over a table and they're talking about something. And then they they both lean in to look at what, you know, what's on the table. And so you're seeing it from the side. So, you know, like you see them 
coming in like this. And it just had this perfect anime vibe. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I mean, like, as a whole is what I'm talking about. You know, um, especially some of the hyperkinetic scenes. Um, I mean, there's no I'm way pretty sure only they... Edgar Wright can edit close to an anime. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. Guy Ritchie could do it too. Or Guy, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, but it's weird. Um, I liked all. It's like a cooking analogy. I liked every single ingredient that went into it, mm-hmm. but then at the end, I was like, "Oh, and this is what you made. It's good, but you were you were using the top shelf of everything." And you got to came, the end. Sorry. Huh? I was going to say, you got to the end and went, hmm, need, needed salt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was it. It was like, oh, man, you bought the best of, like, every – you bought the choicest cut of, like, you know, steak and the freshest vegetables. And, like, you fucking had, like, the herbs, like, alive and imported. And you hired the best, you know, chefs to make it. That was good. Uh, but, yeah, but but I'm like, Yeah. So that's the weird thing. After every episode, I felt myself thinking, okay, is that it? Like, it's hmm. good, but... Eh. And, I, and that's the thing. I don't want to sound like I'm negative. Like, I always enjoyed the show, but I never went like, that was cool. I went, yep, that huh. was Cowboy Bebop. Okay. That's how I felt after every single episode. I look forward to finishing the series and seeing how this all, what my feelings are at the end of this. Um, again, I, I, it's still, I feel like I'm in a better place to just kind of look at it critically um, or not critically, objectively, uh, yeah. since I'm not as, uh, I don't have slavish devotion or that much investment in the original. Right, mm-hmm. and and I do wonder how much if I would enjoy it more if I didn't have if I only had a passing knowledge of like yeah that was an anime once mm-hmm. and mm. I'll watch it after I watch the live action series. It actually makes me want it jump a little bit. I have zero desire to read the Wheel of Time books by Robert Jordan <laughs> because I look at that and like no I'm not doing it. <laughs> so that's why I haven't started the series, but I've now been told by a few people. Like diehards of the books, they're like, yeah, it's okay. People who know nothing about the books are like, this is fucking cool. Mm, so I'm like, all right, okay. I have uh, coworkers who are have read every book, and I have coworkers who have read none of them, and they've been watching it, and they both they all talk about how much they love what they're doing. So right. they're all on board with it. And I have neither watched that show or read those books. Um, but what I will say is I I watched the live action and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. I didn't have critiques of it until I got a fresh rewatch of of the animated. And I am sort of tempted to go back and rewatch the live action now to like go back and ch- check my notes, essentially. You should. Mm-hmm. Um, skew, skew those viewer numbers for Netflix so they're like, wait, why is this that. going up now? Um, but I, I don't think that even if I 
So now I and now that I do have you know some some general critiques about the live action, I don't think that watching it again is going to make me like it any less. What I think will happen is I'll just have like more refined ways of explaining, mm-hmm. like okay, so you compromise by doing more of this, but now giving less of that. Um, I I still think that they put out a quality show, um, and that's that's not even like accounting for how my like you know deep abiding love for John Cho and anything that he's in. Yeah. He's fantastic. In fact, I might go, I might, maybe I'll just go watch selfie again. Another show that like really did (laughs) not get a chance. I think we ought to do an in-depth look into selfie at some point in 2022. It was pretty good. Yeah. Cause I never Um, watched it and I should have. Uh, selfie is definitely shorter than avatar. If you wanted to do that first. No, we've talked way too much about Avatar. <laughs> we like we can fit selfie in sometime in between there, but we definitely need to start putting together a. We're going to watch these episodes, and then we're going to talk about these episodes, and then watch these because that's that's a lot. Are we going to after we do the original? Are we going to take like a, a month for palate cleansing and then jump right into Cora? Uh, Ooh, I don't. Who's to say? Mm, okay. Aaron, Aaron's, Aaron's not in for any of this. No, it's fine. I'm just thinking of my schedule of how to work stuff in. I'm not saying that we're going to do like Avatar all at once. It's like, oh no, let's watch two episodes and then talk about it. And then two weeks later, watch another two episodes. All right, that's better. Yeah. In my there's, head, I'm like, I can't watch that much. No, there's, the there's way too much media. Yeah. Like we're still going to be talking about Star Trek until May, June. Yeah, because we it, is it Picard that rolls in next. I I think so. we get the buffer of the the second half of um, Prodigy, Prodigy, and yeah. then Picard, and yeah. then Strange New Worlds. Right, and then we get the summer off, and then next fall should be Lower Decks all over again. Right. Okay, and God. and that Section 31 show that is totally going to happen. This is a good spot to stop and talk about our sponsors. First up, of course, is Guardian Games. They have been our sponsor for the longest time and will hopefully continue to be our sponsors till more longest time. I was going to say the end of time, but the idea of me doing this show to the end of time, that's a lot. Anyway, <laughs> and yeah, this is all true. You know, we're still in the gift buying season, and if you have a friend or a family member or anyone in your life that enjoys uh, RPGs or board games or whatever, and you're like, I don't know if it'll get to him on time, well, first off, like, don't give money to extra shitty Lex Luthor. Uh, Go to Guardian Games, (laughs) Uh, where pretty much every board game you can think of or RPG that's on various online sites will be there in the store. Get it yourself. Support local businesses. And uh, you get it to your, you know, your loved one on your own or whenever. It doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, know that you'll get them exactly what they were looking for. And in the spirit of giving as well, uh, once again, Guardian Games is uh, teaming up with uh, Portland Fire and Rescue, the uh, their toy drive. So Guardian Games is an official drop-off location for the toy drive. And uh, they will actually have some suggestions there uh, at the store. Um of, of games that you may want to drop off for the toy drive instead of like, you know, 
regular old toys. They have some great all-ages board games there that they recommend for donation. Uh, something I recommend all the time because I get a ton of uh, messages and emails from friends and family and listeners saying, hey, my kid is kind of wondering about D&D and I want to help them. I don't know what to do. That D&D starter set really is an amazing gift. And I'm sure if you put that in the toy drive, you would make some... Um, you know, uh, wee budding D and D nerd or RPG nerd, RPG nerd, very very happy. So please check them out. Three four five Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Guardian Games. And also, before we get back to the show, of course, Bridge City Comics, thirty seven twenty five North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. They are one of Portland's greatest comic book shows. <laughs> shows shops they don't do a show but when you walk into it it is like going to a great show with all the fun books on the shows all the new releases uh any of the trades the uh, as always if you look right to your left as you walk in there is like the local creator section with like local zines and produced comics there's also the local section or a curated graphic novel section and like if you look over there you'll see like you know the best from like kelly sue deconic or david walker or Greg Rucka, I mean, you know, they do a good job of kind of curating folks that you have heard us talk about, great collections, where to start. It all happens at Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Is there controversy? It's not on. And Michelle Yeoh is doing... Lots of other work, apparently. Yeah, that's that's the big joke. Is that like, yes, your main character, you have to get that that you have to get Michelle to slow down to do it. <laughs> I don't think um, she's going to. You know who else isn't slowing down right now? Who, Aaron? Our friends at Asylum at thirty seven thirteen Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard, right across the Baghdad Theater, with their new holiday hours. Hours, 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 hours. Yeah, basically it's Tuesday through Tuesday through Sunday. They're just they're closed on Mondays, uh, daily at noon or earlier, and are open till four, likely later. So, Wait, I'm uh, sorry, I thought they were closed last Monday and this Monday, i.e., yesterday. But correct. that's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So then, not yes. Mondays, but oh, all of right. the Mondays that have already passed. Yes. So moving forward, you can totally go there on a Monday. Yes. If that is, if you so wish. And you could totally get, I'm looking at you, Cable, that minifig puzzle they just posted seven hours ago. Yeah. Ooh, that's a lot of minifig faces. Mm-hmm. That's pretty sweet. Actually, both of those puzzles look pretty cool. If you yeah, the, the rainbow one, that one's yeah. also, that one's really good. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I'm really into these mugs that they have. Uh, every mug has a little little special something happening at the bottom of the inside of your mug. Ah, I like the moon landing one. Like That's a little cute. trilobite. Yeah. Yeah, moon landing with a footprint. Uh, I think it's cats. Is it cats and dogs? No, just cats. Cats, cats. with a cat print. And um, mm-hmm. the trilobite is as a, like a geology one. It's like the layers of the earth, which is That's always right. fun. Geological time. I always like that phrase. Mm. Ooh. I don't really drink sake because it always gives me a headache. But that stoneware sake set is really sexy. Yeah, I was uh, eyeballing the uh, sushi set for two. Ooh, I missed the sushi set. I was too busy looking at the the, the cabinets 
There's a there's like a sideboard looking piece that's drawers and a door. I did find them. They're lovely. I can oh my see god! That. I love those for you, Cable. Also, scroll down. There are greeting cards based on modern versions of tarot. Uh oh. <laughs> the X that extra or ten that extra friend. <laughs> the uh, selfie the, whore. The Instagram cliche. Mm-hmm. That's pretty oh, awesome. There's a, a like a married couple, and it just says the end. <laughs> wah, wah. Wah, wah. So they got a lot of cool stuff in right now. Definitely it, check them out. Like, oh, they've got a record we, rack, y'all. We're now down oh. to less than two weeks until Christmas. And if you have not figured out your your gifting for people, or screw it, you've bought all your gifts for everyone else. That Treat yourself. A Treat yourself yeah. before Christmas. Treat yourself. Treat yourself at, at Asylum, thirty seven thirteen Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard, across from the historic Baghdad Theater, where I and believe they are still showing Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is very charming. Oh, I still haven't seen. And don't so forget to follow them on Facebook.com forward slash PDX Asylum. Or like I do, follow them at PDX underscore Asylum on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea, too. Because yeah, I don't. I, I, know, I know. I know. I know Instagram is owned by Facebook. It's still. Yes. It's still different. It is. When different. we finally break up all of these businesses, maybe Instagram will go back to not sucking so much. Yeah. Man, but asylum doesn't suck, so go to them. No, it doesn't. God damn, I want these teak stools. I mean, the puzzle stools. These <gasps> are makes neat. everything cutie. Yeah, teak makes everything better. Everything it should does. be made out of teak. I think you just like saying teak. I do. I do mm. find the word teak appealing. Uh, so yeah. Let's get back to it, Space Cowboy. <laughs> um, Bex, uh, you're banned. What? Why? What did Bex do? It's all meta. Sorry. I've, I've given her shit. She's not banned. Uh, <laughs> I might ban her. Uh, okay. Puny banner. Holy <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hog. Okay, so before we move into the toxic fandom conversation, any final thoughts or cable, maybe like your hopes and dreams? Um, I don't know that I have a lot of hopes and dreams for the live action series. I just like, I think I'm just going to enjoy the rest of it. Um, yeah. I'm, I think I was talking to a coworker who's really into the, uh, the original series and, was somewhat disappointed with the live action, but not like she enjoyed it, but she's like, they got some things wrong. She didn't like the way they depicted vicious at all. Um, she's like, he seemed very whiny and that's not vicious. Vicious is vicious. That's the whole, like he's vicious named. Always, vicious always remind me of Sephiroth from final fantasy seven. <laughs> Which came first? Oh, Sephiroth. Sephiroth, yeah, because okay. Cowboy Bebop was ninety eight, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so well, because vicious, this, vicious that means Sephiroth thing. also begat, um, what's his name, uh, Soren Markov from Innistrad, right? White haired vampire. 
very moody, very emo. Um, no, I, I think I agree with uh, her point, which was by canceling it and not giving it a second season to try and make those fans happy. This just goes, well, now we failed at this thing and this failed thing exists. It's like, that's but I don't, dumb. But I mean, like under what metric is it a failed show that needed to be canceled? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Netflix is notorious for not releasing any kind of numbers at all, unless they want to use them bragging rights. Mm-hmm. Like their red notice movie has like insane watch watch numbers like through the roof is that another is that another one of those ryan reynolds straight to netflix movies mm-hmm. uh, ryan yeah. reynolds the rock and gal gadot yeah it's like all three of them producing it also yeah and it's all of them playing themselves like literally I, they are playing themselves i'm skipping that one I, it's like the way you're describing it sounds appealing but i know that it is not the kind of movie i care about i'm sorry yeah um so yeah there's that um, I feel like one of the things that hurt Cowboy Bebop, and again, I have no inside knowledge. I just kind of have a, a slight sampling of how like productions work. Mm-hmm. I think John getting hurt during like week one of filming really fucked up the entire series because even though they put production on hold, like they're still spending money. They have to keep mm-hmm. certain people on like just so they don't take other jobs. So I got a feeling that that show, when it went back to filming, was already over budget. Like, Mm -hmm. it had to do crazy numbers to justify a season two in terms of, like, Netflix accounting. Um, And then it's also one of those things that, like, the reason why Netflix will keep certain shows on longer, because they have this word algorithm, but they don't like things go past three seasons, because that is generally when your actors get to negotiate new contracts. Hmm. Unless you're like Stranger Things, which can then sell lunchboxes and merchandise and t-shirts and, you know. Cowboy Bebop can hella sell some merch. But not with the nostalgia bomb that Stranger Things created. Mm-hmm. Stranger Things just opened up the vein of Gen Xers and Xennials or whatever and said, here you go. <clears throat> Everything you look back on with rose-colored glasses, we're putting it in the show. Now mm-hmm. go buy merch. Um, so I think that's, that's part of it is that the same thing I think with like why the last man, that show was over budget from frame one. Like it was like, that's such a dumb reason to cancel a show. Like, like it's not the, it's not the, the fault of the story or the actors. I'm like, well, you're never going to make your money back if you stop having the thing. Remember when Peter Jackson had to fight MGM because MGM said the Lord of the Rings didn't make any money? Mm -hmm. Or how, like, Star Trek The Motion Picture, technically before filming a single frame of the movie, was $10 million over budget because they took all the money that Paramount spent in trying to get Phase 2 off in the ground and launching a Paramount network in, like, 1977. Mm -hmm. Well, that fell flat. They just rolled all of those costs into the motion picture and then said, oh, you're over budget. That's that's stupid and infuriating. Yes, it's, it is. It's Hollywood accounting. And yeah. we've talked yeah. about this on the show before. Like, we don't fully understand it. But I don't think it, any CPA, any rational CPA does either because it's bullshit. It is bullshit accounting 
designed to use as leverage against people who make art. Yeah. By people who don't understand what art is, even when you explain it to them with pictures and crayons. And not even to hurt people that make art. Well, I guess everyone involved in production is making art. But, I mean, this impacts, you know, like the strike that almost happened with all the, the production workers. Hollywood, I mean, Hollywood accounting uses that against, like, look, we can't pay you more because, look, we're not making any money off the last Spider-Man movie. Like, okay. Yeah, sure. I, I, I think Hollywood accounting is something that most corporations aspire to. Mm. It's like, how exactly do you get out of paying anyone anything, even though that you made $3 billion in a yeah. weekend? Right. It's like, oh, because on paper, we we made $16. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. Um, so I don't know how much toxic fandom affected Bebop. I know it was there. I remember hearing something stupid around um, the casting of John Cho. Where it's like, yeah, he's too old to play uh, Spike Spiegel. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? It's like, yeah, Spike Spiegel's supposed to be this young guy, and he does this, and I'm like... Spike Spiegel, with the backstory that he has, cannot be any younger than 40. <laughs> I mean, he is meant to be younger. I think he's meant to be in his late 20s, early 30s. But Which like Indiana, dumb. But, but like Indiana Jones said, it ain't the age, honey, it's the miles. And Spike mm-hmm. Spiegel, has, uh, he's been on some hard road. <laughs> sure. And John Cho makes him look perfect for someone that has lived that life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think we talked about this already. But how old even is John Cho? John Cho, John Cho turns fifty next year. Yeah, looks uh, amazing. Because he was born oh, in yeah. nineteen seventy-two. I looked it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a year younger than me. It's like, yeah, nope. Asian don't which Asian means, <laughs> which means he will still be the perfect age if I ever. And my wildest nerd dreams get to do my A-Team reboot. Mm-hmm. He's my Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Let's not go down that road. It's a real nerdy road. And that's coming mm-hmm. from me saying it's too nerdy for this show. That can be one of those one of those weeks where we're beans on assignment on an away mission. Man, Stephanie Beatrice is uh, Murdoch, the version mm-hmm. of Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't. I can't go on. It's too much. <laughs> I have a whole breakdown about how they were. Yeah, I have a whole breakdown. Same plot, frame for a crime they didn't commit in Afghanistan. I mean, it's all. I just modernize all of it. We've we've talked about righteous. We we had an episode where we talked about what franchise. Oh, that's we, right. Yeah. All right. Well, what then go watch that. Go, go listen go. to that episode again. But not right now. You're listening to this episode. No. Yeah. When you're done with this episode, go. Yes. Issue. We call them issues. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what else like we can like dive into on this. I don't know either. I like I still <laughs> I, I, I still come down to like, like one of the frustrations that I have with it being canceled is this is a, this is a show that has an Asian, a Korean American, uh, an African American. And a Mexican American 
as their leads. And Netflix went, yeah, sure, cancel it. I mean, sure, but I think this is one of those times I think it's just... I think if it had three white leads, it still would have gotten canceled. I don't believe that. I do not believe that for a well, second. I don't I don't think it would have made it either. I, I think that if they had the same money troubles, someone would have found a way to make it work for at least one more season. And, and I say this... I don't this, know, man. Like, Netflix is fucking ruthless. But they usually wait at least three seasons. We got more than one season of Dollhouse. Well, that's Fox. That's not Netflix. Netflix is a whole different beast. I Dollhouse is terrible. I, I still don't... Uh, but the, the thing is, is even if it was, like, there are other shows on Netflix that have been that and, and they have longer seasons. What's that one with... Um, called the farm or the ranch or something with the the alumni from that 70s oh, show yeah that's also dirt cheap to make it's a single camera one set with someone with a history of sexual assault as one of the main leads they did they that's did boot him on. the moment that came out they did boot him they did why well, cable. Does... I'm usually always one to be like, like race is a big issue. I don't know if that was a deciding factor in Cowboy Bebop. I think I don't think it's a deciding factor, but I do think that that is still plays into, yeah, we're 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 that was used against them as opposed to if it had been three white leads that wouldn't it would have gone. Eh, we just got went over well, budget. Well, and also but... if it had been three white leads, it wouldn't have been Cowboy Bebop. Like no company is dumb enough this day and era. To cast three white people in Cowboy Bebop. What is it? Scarlett Johansson? Yeah. That's what they need to do. Bring back season two, but just put her as every character. <laughs> I, I, I still enjoy the meme of, of saying how the, the so far the three big releases from Marvel have all starred Asian Americans. <laughs> you know, Simu, Gemma, and Scarlet. It's awesome. Sorry, Simu's a Asian Canadian. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, although speaking of really back to John Cho, if you guys have never seen his run, I think he's in season two of The Exorcist. Oh, so good. The Exorcist show? Yeah, so Fox back in... Yeah, I don't in... know anything about this either, Bean. Oh my god. It came... I didn't expect to like it this much. So season one was 2016. So maybe most people were focused on other things at the time. Um, it's basically... it's it, it picks up... How many years it has been since the first Exorcist movie? It picks up like that many years afterwards. And it's a, you know, clearly it's a new priest and it's a demonic case, but it's a much more slow burn. Um, it stars Gina Davis. Mm-hmm. And spoilers, I don't care. It's been revealed before. She plays Reagan, who has changed her name because she can't have a normal life when people find out she's the little girl Reagan who was possessed by the devil. That's not even like the biggest fucking twist in season one. It's a legit, disturbing, and really good show. 
it's Alan super Ruck funny. is in it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he's uh he's his uh he is her husband. As is Ben Daniels, who I enjoyed a lot from um Jupiter's Legacy. Oh, and you'll dig him because he's playing that great like cliche of the semi fallen priest who now like drinks hard because he saw mm. something horrible in his past that he can no longer unsee it. But he's also the only one who's really good at being an exorcist. It's solid. It's really good. It's super good. Hmm. Oh, no one, no one, one is talking about this show. It was a show that like they didn't they didn't push very hard, but like horror fans like went bonkers for it. Um and it only had two seasons? Yeah. John Cho's only in season two. He oh, is a geez. different character. And there it, it's it's only twenty episodes. It's a short season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you guys will dig it. It's fun. Anyway. There, there's my other sidestep there. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh back to Toxic Fandom. I <laughs> also did not see any of the the negative feedback whether it was valid or otherwise about uh bebop i did see people talking shit about shit talkers i i don't i guess i've like i'm never like secluded safe space on the internet where like I'm, these things aren't coming to me well i think Which that's is- because as people who do a podcast we kind of have to be very selective about where we dip our toe in in the internet. Yeah. And I intentionally avoid certain areas of the internet because I have, I have been pushed up against it every once in a while. And it's, it's not a pretty place to be mm. <laughs> for sure. Well, I guess it hasn't made its way to, um, and at this point, maybe it won't uh, made its way to under headlines. Yeah. Um, and it probably won't. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, no. Now that it's been canceled, like who, I would assume that anyone who wants to try to pan it is is like mission accomplished. Moving on to the next stupid thing. Yeah, they're currently trying to review bomb. Uh, what's its name? Uh, Spider Man. Oh, that's not going to work at all. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's not. They're going to attempt it. Like, sure, go for it. Yeah, they're like, yeah, it worked on the Eternals. It's like, no, it it still no. didn't. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it did just fine. I, I I don't I don't know how to tell you this, but you're not bigger than Marvel, and you're certainly not bigger <laughs> than Disney. Yeah, that's Disney a different problem Sony. altogether. Also, but... I know that, and Netflix doesn't really pay attention to that because um, I think Cable and I are going to talk about this next week. When season when part one of Master of the Universe Revelations came out, all Kevin Smith saw were like all the review bombing and all like the negative stuff that gets the headlines. So he was really nervous that like Netflix wasn't going to air the back half. Mm-hmm. And he like he's like he's like I'm in conversations with him a couple of days later, and I'm like, have you guys seen the reviews? And Netflix is like, we could give a shit. We don't care. Like we know yeah. where are coming from. She's like, and they're also like, and the numbers do not bear any kind of similarity to the reviews. They're they're like, relax. We're mm-hmm. very happy. We talked about right. it. Yeah. 
Looking, I'm looking forward to talking about that next week. Yeah. Looking forward to watching the back half. I oh, didn't man. expect. I didn't think Evil Lynn could make me feel more tingly than she already does. We. I, yep. Blanking on the name of the actress. Cersei. Uh, Mama. Oh my god! Stop saying names. Sarah, um, Sarah Connor. <laughs> That is what I blame Dollhouse on. Canceling yes. the Sarah Connor Chronicles. That, that <laughs> is that is the problem of that. Uh, oh my god, I can Alina Heavy. There, Alina. Every time Heady I hear her Noel. name, every time I hear her name, I think of uh, Blazing Saddles, and I hear it's Headley. <laughs> it's not Headley. I know, but it's Heady. Lena Heady is still. Oh man, we don't deserve her either. Mm. She's nah, she's pretty great. So good at her job. <sighs> yeah, it, which is funny when you, much like Stephanie Beatrice, you see her do an interview. It's like, oh my god, you really are acting when you're Rosa Diaz because <laughs> you're nothing like Rosa Diaz. No, at not at all. I actually got weirded it's... out the first time I heard Stephanie Beatrice's real voice. I was like, what the. Uh-huh. I saw her doing uh, uh, an interview, like a promotional type thing for Encanto. And um, look at the white way I said that. Um, I know. I was like, what is Encanto? <laughs> I said it white. Um, and it's, I, I already knew that she sounds totally different from, you know, from her Rosa character. But it's like still a like valley girl. Like she has fuck a off. Yes, yes. She has a valley girl accent. I was like, what the... <laughs> And she's just like bubbly and smiley, and it's disgusting. But I love her. And she wears colors and pastels. Yeah, I know. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. And she isn't constantly scowling. Yeah, Lena Headey is all of that in <laughs> comparison to every role that she's ever played. Yeah, I'm not bothered yeah. by that though because I there's nothing for me to identify with that woman. Oh, because does that mean there's something about you that maybe you're like maybe I could be bubbly? And I don't like it. No, no, no. What I mean is like, you know, Lena Headey is like in her 50s and white and British. There's like nothing mm-hmm. for me to you like. Any of those things. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing aspirational there for me or not, nothing relatable in those things for me. Um, that makes sense. Uh, and also she's she's much more villainous, you know, in, in many of her roles. Whereas Stephanie Beatriz is... Probably thirty something, maybe maybe early forties. I don't know. No, I doubt it. If anything, she's younger. Um, yeah, I think so. And she's Latina, and um, and you know, probably. I, I think she's an American actress, right? So she's oh, she's, she's like forty. Mex- so no, she's, she's like Mexican American. She's, she's from Argentina. Okay, so uh, so she's Latin American. Um, no, she's she's yes. Argent- she's Argentinian. Um, yep. Uh, but anyway, like, like that, that is a, a human being who is more relatable to me. And like the character that she is best known for, Rosa, is, is a good, is a good guy, right? So objectively aspirational, but in a personality that I'm like, yeah, that's the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how to be. That's fair. Yeah. I, I that get makes that. Sense. <laughs> Norm. 
Nailed it, Norm. I said it white is the name of my all recorder Weezer cover band. Norm, we were just talking about how how specialty band band names is your superpower. Yeah. So And also don't say that out loud too much because I could actually see Weezer putting out a cover of all their songs but only using recorders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I really wish I had a recorder <laughs> right now to like just do a quick Weezer riff. Yeah, that's oh, all right. Man. That we'll moment survive. will never come back. Uh, it won't. It's lost forever to the It is. To the it is. Ether. It's lost forever. It was a very finite mm-hmm. w- window of opportunity on that. Yep, and it's gone. Well, I think this is a good place to kind of say good night to everybody. Yeah, I think so. Good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I suppose so. Yeah. Um. Uh, so that's it for me for the year. That's yep. a wrap. That's a wrap on Bean. Yep, that's right. Uh, what are you guys going to do? What are you guys going to do? Yeah, yay me! I think the two <laughs> things we, I think the two things we talked about is we're surely going to we're going to chat about Masters of the Universe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think Cable and I are going to not do like a deep review, but I think we're going to talk about Coyote and Crow because if you back the Kickstarter, the PDF is yours now. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so what a bummer. I'm going to spend the next few days reading through that back matter. Yeah, good. me too. Like, I've already looked through the PDF. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Cool, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm sorry to be missing those those conversations. I'm sure they'll both be interesting. <laughs> but I'm also not prepared to talk about either of them right now. So will yeah, be something. Right. It works out. Yeah. yeah we, uh, I'm sure by year end, we'll be able to talk about the, how Hawkeye wrapped up. Yeah, we will we get to do a full Hawkeye recap. Mm-hmm. I chat about is... Hawkeye. I do have to give a shout out to uh, whoever's did the programming for that by starting out. It's like, no, we'll, we'll give you two episodes the week of Thanksgiving. It's like, well, of course you will, because that means it times perfectly to end on the Christmas episode two days before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's. Oh, I love it when they do things like that. It's so good. Yeah. I, l- I love well-timed programming. Yeah. And I'm definitely enjoying the writing on this one. It's been a lot of fun. Yep. And just as you recover from Christmas coma is when the book of uh, Boba Fett drops. Because that's the 28th, Woo! I think. Oh, man. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's the day that I'm actually coming back into town. So like, oh, good. Yeah. Oh, and now I, have to go, now I have a job first thing in the morning. So I can't even stay up late to watch it. <laughs> Boo! Boo! I mean, no, that's probably good. I mean, no, you could. You could. You also, I'm not going to say when. You, it's not like you start at like 7 a.m. for this job. No, no, but I I gotta get up by a certain time. It's a it's a lo- it's a bit of a longer commute for me. And yeah, I know. I'm, I, I after like almost two years of either unemployment or underemployment, um, it's I'm still like training my brain to be <laughs> up and like physically active by a certain time every day, and it's been a struggle, y'all. D- um, and I'm not right. going to get home until midnight on the 28th, which is why I can't be on the show. It's also working full time or even part time during year two of a pandemic is different than working pre pandemic. It yeah. just is. And I'm, I'm sorry to both of you for having to encounter this. It's not easy. Yeah. You you both know and remember how grumpy I was for months 
and I couldn't really explain why, except it was everything. Right. <laughs> All the time. And see, like, I don't feel like I need apologizing to because I got to avoid a lot of that. We have essentially arrived at the new norm when it comes to having to navigate a workspace while still in a pandemic. So, like, mm -hmm. a lot of the kinks have been sort of worked out and, like, you know, I've been pretty lucky that for the most part, the intermittent work that I've had in the past two years has been pretty accommodating about the fact that, you know, being around people could kill you. So mm -hmm. stay home. We'll, we'll take it easy on these things. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll that, work around stuff. Yeah. And I've been lucky the the job I'm doing with Nat uh, is, is pretty much he's like, look, don't don't break yourself doing this. Nat is um, an excellent employer. Yeah. Um, yeah, the only tricky part is, and this is a whole other conversation for a whole other show, is by nature of a lot of the places I have to go that serve that beverage, um, I'm having to work around a lot of, like, the houseless issues in Portland. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. especially, like, an old town where they can get cable, as you know, like, a little aggro. I'm like, like, I can't help you, man. Not, I don't have anything. <laughs> I'd give you a four pack of the cider, but I don't feel that ethically that's the smartest gift I could give you. I, I have <laughs> you had know. to deal with this uh, recently uh, at Guardian. Um, and I've had I'm in the midst of drafting a very formal response to a complaint. Um, but wow. I personally have to say this. If you have a problem with people being houseless in Portland. Go storm City Hall. Yeah. There is nothing that a single... Y'all could have signed that recall thing, and I don't know most of you didn't. Yep. <laughs> I don't think that would be the end of it either. Nah, like, they wouldn't. Um, take back your city government. That's how this is going to get fixed. Um, yeah. businesses but, can't do it on their own the police are not coming also fuck it, the police it would also be nice if people were more willing to individually do more for their you know community true yeah. and mutual aid is a thing that should be happening but when the funds are there and being allocated poorly like to generous. to protect downtown businesses and run off the homeless people without helping them? You mean like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's and, and also speaking of like downtown businesses being hurt, so this job has got me downtown way more than I've been in a long time. Like mm -hmm. driving around downtown. You know what also is really hurting downtown right now? That like a bazillion high rise apartments and hotels that no one's going to be able to fucking afford are being built, and they're literally boarding up open businesses and shutting down streets and removing what little parking was left in downtown. You know, and it's not the houseless that's stopping people from shopping downtown, and it's not. Nor was it the protests. Wasn't the protests either? It's the literally like these like billionaire real estate moguls. Yeah. There's all these, like, high-tower apartments that no one can afford are going in. I don't understand why they're building more if they don't even – they can't even sell the ones they got. I don't know. But, like, I had to – it sounds like such a stupid problem to have. But, like, I, 
normally I would just park in one spot. And if I was just going to businesses, I would just do that. Like I'd walk, but I'm also lugging heavy liquids in cans. And there's only so much I can carry for one stop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I found myself having to park like five blocks away from like a bar because, and not because like it was that time of day and the park, there was literally nowhere. Mm-hmm. Or having to go three extra blocks because there are so many detours to build buildings that no one can afford. Or parking places that would have been easy to have before are now, like three of them have been taken up by outdoor seating. Right. Because we insist on keeping businesses open. Yeah. That being said, I hope we adapt to outdoor seating because I like that. Not downtown, though. I, I love an outdoor seating arrangement, but not downtown. That's no. that's not where you do that because that's space a, is at such a premium. Who says? Well, you got people trying to park. You got people yeah. trying to walk on the street. If you take up the sidewalk, that's you know a mm-hmm. hindrance to disabled folks. And if you're blocking up the sidewalks, it's going to deter people from walking more, and walk. It's going to make people walk less, drive more. I, I'm. I'm a big fan of multi-level parking garages. Um, Mm -hmm. There are, there are way too many uh, blacktop parking lots in downtown Portland that should have been converted to multi-level parking structures. Uh, Absolutely. Short-term profit has stopped any development of that. Yeah. Yep. Right, because you can't rent spaces if you're building on it. Exactly. Yeah. All of those spaces should have been bought by the city of Portland. They should have been turned into smart parks. That would have been revenue for the city that they could, you know, then use to house the homeless. (laughs) Gee, that seems so... And then you could have outdoor seating in what used to be a parking space all the goddamn time. Anyway, oh, on that negative note, thanks for listening. Join us next week for other city planning <laughs> and Masters Heck of yeah. the Universe. Geek in the City Radio. <laughs> Tune in next week for Masters of the Universe and Sim City. <laughs> mm-hmm.